My biggest fear about the government is just taxes. There's this routine by comic Joe Zimmerman. I worry about it all year long because other countries, the government will tell you what you owe and then you just have to pay it. It feels especially punchy this time of year. Here the government's like, okay, what do you think you owe us? I have no idea, just tell me. Nope, you gotta add it up. What happens if I add it up wrong? You could go to jail? Oh my. That's terrifying. I think the comic is getting at kind of this bizarre situation that we all live in. I played the whole routine for ProPublica reporter Justin Elliott. Justin has spent a lot of time digging into the world of online tax prep. And he says Zimmerman's right. For the vast majority of Americans, the IRS already knows what we owe. But we then do have to fill out these complicated forms and do a bunch of arithmetic ourselves or turn to a private company and, or an accountant to, to pay them to, to do it for us. And this is where Justin's reporting comes in. For years, he has been investigating Intuit's TurboTax, the number one tax prep software in the country. What Justin found is that while TurboTax advertised its filing services as free, millions of customers were in fact lured into paying for its products when they didn't have to. They'll get two-thirds or three-quarters of the way through the annoying process of putting in your information, and they'll hit a screen that says, actually, to finish and file your taxes, you have to pay us 75 bucks or 100 bucks or 150 bucks. At the end of March, in part because of Justin's work, the Federal Trade Commission sued Intuit. It filed an administrative complaint investigating TurboTax's advertising, and it asked a judge for an injunction to stop TurboTax's ads. And so the FTC is saying, fundamentally, this is just deceptive advertising and it's illegal. Today on the show, how Intuit built its TurboTax empire and muscled out what could have been an easy and truly free way to file your taxes online. There's something strange, if not jarring, about having to pay essentially a tax to a private company in order to engage in this and participate in this fundamental act of citizenship, of good citizenship, which is paying your taxes. I'm Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next TBD, a show about technology, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick with us. I want to go back and understand how Intuit and TurboTax became this sort of juggernaut player. I wonder if you could lay out for me what kind of company Intuit is and and what it sees as its priorities. Intuit is a a, a Silicon Valley company. It's actually based in Mountain View, California, I believe next door to Google, right in the heart of Silicon Valley. And, you know, they they have two main businesses. One is TurboTax and the other is, is accounting software called QuickBooks. And, you know, people who have been doing their taxes for a while may recall that TurboTax was big even going back to the 90s. But back then, it wasn't a website. It was 
you know, an actual box that you would buy with CDs in it with, with this tax prep software that you'd put on your desktop computer if you were lucky enough to have one in the 90s. But really the, the key moment that ushered in the contemporary paradigm of all of this came in the early 2000s. What happened? In the early 2000s, personal computers were getting bigger and bigger. More and more people were getting them. The internet was getting bigger. And the George W. Bush administration actually decided to take a a hard look at how tax prep worked. The Bush administration was looking at doing what a lot of other developed countries ended up doing, which is having the IRS create essentially its own version of TurboTax, tax prep software that you could just get on online from the government for free that would be easier than filling out, you know, an actual paper tax return. And at that point, because TurboTax was already a very large and profitable line of business for Intuit, and there were other competitors in the industry whose profits were also threatened by this, the tax prep industry led by Intuit mobilized to stop the Bush administration from doing anything like what was being discussed. Because it was just such a threat to to their bottom line? Exactly. Just in sort of simplistic competitive terms, if, if you're making a bundle of money on a product, you don't want the government to create a free version of that product because your business is going to be crushed. So I think it's that simple. And that is how they talked about it internally. One of the PowerPoints that I obtained while reporting on this, which was, I believe, given internally to the Intuit board of directors years back, said that for a decade, proposals in the government have sought to create IRS tax software. All of these efforts were stopped, but evolving issues returned. So they explicitly internally saw the IRS's efforts to potentially build its own software or make the, the filing system easier as a threat to the incredibly profitable product, TurboTax, that, that was still growing back then. To keep the IRS from moving in on its business, Intuit amped up its lobbying machine. Justin's reporting shows how the company got friendly members of Congress to make its case. One line of argument was that the IRS shouldn't be in the business of being both the tax collector and the tax preparer. And Intuit seemed to offer a compromise. The industry led by Intuit made a counteroffer to the Bush administration, and the offer was something that would appeal to the kind of free market ethos of the Bush administration. And essentially what they offered was a public-private partnership that became known as the Free File Program. At the heart of it was a simple kind of quid pro quo. And the quid pro quo was the IRS promised the industry we, the government, will not create our own product. Therefore, the government is not going to get involved in competing in your market. But in exchange, you, the industry, have to create free versions of your software, like TurboTax, and that has to be made available to a large number of Americans. It ended up being actually the majority of Americans that were eligible for what became known as as the free file software offers. For the next 20 years, Justin says, Intuit tried to ensure that as few people as possible used the truly free version of its product. That might sound surprising, given the marketing. And very in, very in, very in, very in, very not a better damn Like this ad with an auctioneer that the FTC cited in its March complaint. 
free. Or this one with an exercise class. Free and free and free and free. Or that one with a game show. Free! 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 free. That's right. TurboTax Free is free. Free, 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 free. It's sort of like TurboTax, which I should note is advertised on Slate Podcasts, is just repeating the word free, so much so that it doesn't even feel like a word anymore, just verbal wallpaper. Meanwhile, Justin says that if you went online to try to find the actual free version, it wasn't always possible. And so quite early on, what happened was a highly confusing ecosystem sprung up in which there were multiple versions of tax prep software, including TurboTax, that had the word free next to them, but they were not the same. Hmm. And if you happened to start on the wrong free, quote-unquote, free version, you might end up having to pay even though you actually were eligible to get the software for free if you had started on the right version. For years and years, the majority of Americans, if they had found the correct IRS website, they could have actually filed using TurboTax or another competitor's product for free. But instead, millions and millions of people used the commercial free versions, such as TurboTax, quote-unquote, free edition. And in those versions, if you were unlucky enough to have the wrong tax forms, you would hit a paywall and have to pay 50 bucks to finish the process. So this happened to millions and millions of people. How many? It's a great, great question. So a Treasury inspector general tried to answer that question a couple of years ago after some of our reporting. And the number they came up with for tax year 2019 was that roughly 14 million taxpayers paid for tax prep, even though they were actually eligible to get identical tax prep software for free if they had just started from the right website. Hmm. And so we, we did some back of the envelope math on that based on the pricing and it's basically a billion dollars of extra revenue for the industry in, in, in just a single year. And this went on for like 20 years. So we're talking about real, real money here. When we come back, how TurboTax learned to capitalize on fear. One thing Justin found in his reporting was how TurboTax used code and web design to push people into its paid products. Often, nudging consumers was as simple as a font choice or color on the website, making the paid option slightly more prominent so you'd be more likely to click on it. TurboTax also capitalized on how much Americans loathe doing our taxes and fear getting in trouble with the IRS. Over the years, I've talked to a lot of engineers and designers at Intuit. And there's this marketing concept that they invoke internally called FUD for short, which stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Uh, this is used in other marketing contexts, not just tax prep, but I think it's particularly salient in tax prep because so many people are nervous about getting it wrong. The stakes of getting it wrong are, are very real. And so the company is is betting that the, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt of users is going to 
outweigh any annoyance they might have of having to pay 75 or 100 bucks for something they thought they were going to get for free. And, and that happens to many, many people every year. So that's one thing. But there were other things that Intuit did that I think crossed the line and they actually stopped doing them after we wrote about them. So a few years ago when TurboTax was maintaining these two different editions that both had the word free in them, but only one of them was truly free, they actually added code to the back end of the website of the truly free edition. And the code told search engines like Google not to include that website in Google results. So if you did what most people do when they're trying to find a website and just went to Google or another search engine and you put in TurboTax free, you you literally would never see the truly free edition because this code had been added to the to the HTML of the truly free version. So yeah, if you're someone who is is listening to this and saying, "Wait a minute, I've used TurboTax in the past and and I saw those ads and I went on the website." Um is there anything you should kind of like know or or think about now? There's a couple things. One is that a bunch of state attorneys general have been investigating into it for a while now on, on these issues. The other interesting thing that's going on that that came out of our coverage is there's actually a bunch of private lawsuits that have been filed. And there's a law firm out in Chicago called uh, Keller Lenkner that is pursuing kind of a, a novel legal strategy in which they're, they've filed thousands and thousands, actually tens of thousands of arbitration claims against Intuit for people who were in this situation that where they paid for TurboTax in some cases for years, even though they were eligible to get basically the identical product for free. The FTC's administrative complaint against Intuit will likely take some time as the agency investigates whether Intuit's ads were deceptive and broke the law. As for the injunction request, that's set to be heard in U.S. District Court in Washington, D.C. next week. Though we should note that Intuit voluntarily pulled its free, free, free TV ads on March 24th. Intuit has said they're going to fight the FTC on this. And so a a lot of the effects of this FTC action, to the extent there are effects, will depend on the outcome. If the FTC gets a judge to agree to issue an order making TurboTax stop these ads that the FTC says are deceptive, if there's some kind of settlement, what kind of costs, if any, are imposed on the company? And so you have to imagine that other companies in this space watch these sorts of things to figure out where the lines are. Yeah, I was wondering what the next steps might actually be, because right now we're in this little window pre-tax time where they're not supposed to run these ads, these ads that they say, you know, they were already pulling. Um, Is there another shoe that could potentially drop? Or is this like a long process that gets played out in Washington? I don't think there's another shoe that's going to drop before tax day this year, because these things do tend to be drawn out. But there is another major front here, and that's the legislative front. So there's been proposals in Congress on and off for years from people like Elizabeth Warren and others to appropriate money to the IRS for the IRS to do what it was thinking about doing back in the George W. Bush administration 20 years ago, which is to join 
many other developed wealthy countries in having a online filing process that's free and offered by the government to all of us as citizens. And I I don't think any of that's going to pass anytime soon the way Congress looks right now, but it's out there. That brings me back to this line in one of your stories that has really stuck with me. Um, And it's that Intuit recognized that its success depended on two parallel missions, stoking innovation in Silicon Valley while stifling it in Washington. It doesn't sound like a company that has spent a lot of money and time on lobbying is just going to roll over and say, okay, it's 20 years later, IRS, you create your own program for this. Absolutely. And, you know, Intuit's share price has soared over the last four or five years, really outperformed even the broader market. You know, it turns out it's it's a really good business to be in if you just can put up a website and collect 75 bucks each from millions or tens of millions of people. The costs are really low at that kind of scale. So it's incredibly profitable company. The, The shareholders have really been enriched in recent years. If any legislation or administrative action by the executive branch has has any chance of of getting the government to sort of do more in this area, you're absolutely going to see a lobbying fight. Justin Elliott from ProPublica, thank you for your reporting and for talking with me today. Thanks a lot. Justin Elliott reports for ProPublica. That is it for the show today. TBD is produced by Ethan Brooks. It is edited by Tori Bosch. Joanne Levine is the executive producer for What Next? And Alicia Montgomery is the executive producer for Slate Podcasts. TBD is part of the larger What Next family, and we're also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. I want to take a moment and recommend that you listen to Monday's episode of What Next? It's a really remarkable conversation with a reporter who covers homelessness and who also used to be unhoused. We will be back next week with another episode. I'm Lizzie O'Leary. Thanks for listening.